Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report Business Mexico. There are some good news coming out of Mexico for a change, although there's some bad news too. But let's do the good news first. For the first time ever, a Mexican university is ranked as the 100 best university in the world. The OS World University Rankings has named the National Autonomous University of Mexico as the 100th best university in the world. Now, to show you what kind of company they're keeping, MIT, Stanford, and Harvard are ranked 1, 2, and 3 in this survey. Monterey Tech, the Monterey Technical Institute, is ranked 155th. Both universities have been moving up in rank for several years in a row. Criteria, academic reputation, employer reputation, faculty-student ratio, citations of faculty, international faculty ratio, and international student ratio. In case you're curious, the University of Mexico was founded in 1551 has about 140,000 students. Well, things are looking up for the tourism business. If there is still a tourism business of people going to Mexico, this will be welcome news to many. A combination or a a collective of uh, Puerto Vallarta and Jalisco tourist agencies and companies are gearing up a multi-million dollar campaign aimed at any American cities within a four-hour plane trip of Puerto Vallarta. So if you drew a line, say, from San Francisco and and a circle, half circle down to the border, uh, that would include all the cities from San Francisco, Reno, Las Vegas, probably Denver, maybe Denver, and um, New Mexico, and Arizona. Additionally, They're making agreements to do advertising in Mexican cities within a two-hour trip of Puerto Vallarta so that Mexicans who tend to take short trips because of long weekends and what have you uh, will be coming back to Puerto Vallarta, which many Mexicans like, uh, like I do. I prefer it to Acapulco and other places I've been in or been to. I have not been in Yucatan, so I can't say it's better than that. This campaign is designed specifically to promote fall and winter visits. If you're a fisherman, you're going to love this story. If you're not a fisherman, you just picture in your mind the picture of this fish. I've seen the picture. Trust me, it's stunning. A Baja California fisherman named Ricardo Reyes Martinez was surf fishing in the water at Cabo San Lucas, actually a little bit to the right of of the arches there where there's a sandy beach. And he was surf fishing there and he caught a white sea bass in the surf. No big deal, you say. I mean, personally, I too have probably caught a bunch. I can't even count that high over the years. Anyway, this white sea bass caught in the surf weighed 39.9 kilos. That in in American weight is 85.8 pounds. The fish was six feet long. This beats the 67-year-long record of 37.98 kilos. I don't know about uh, 
off. It's that big. I've actually I, I caught a shark. Uh, it was bigger than that one time down there at uh, uh, Bahia Sun something or another uh, in uh, down by the tip of Baja. I was on a ten day fishing trip. There's some more good news from Baja California, or I'm sorry, not from Baja California, from uh, uh, Sinaloa. So let's see what that news is. Nothing pleases me more than to see French wine people have almost practical coronaries when there's international competition in Paris and some wine from an uncivilized country blasts the competition from France with a superior wine. That's what happened years ago when first California wines wiped out French wines in Paris Then came wines from Baja California's Guadalupe Valley, which is about 40 minutes south from where I'm sitting right now, uh, from uh, my home in uh, Rosarita Beach. Wines from the Guadalupe Valley swept international competitions in Spain and France. Now, the best Cabernet Sauvignon has been chosen by the French sommeliers who blind-tasted wines from 25 different countries. Coahuila, Mexico's Vinos Don Leo, from the town of Parajas de la Fuente, in Coahuila, the state of Coahuila, was chosen the best in the world. The Cabernet Sauvignon 2013 production is now matched with Don Leo's 2016 Cabernet slash, well, Cabernet Sauvignon slash Shiraz combo mix, because it also won a gold medal here in 2016. Don Leo's owner, you'll never guess, David Mendel, the grandson of German refugees from Adolf Hitler's Germany in 1936. Good job, Mr. Mendel. Here's some more good news. If you're a tax guy, if you're a, if you believe in the government collecting taxes, this is right up your alley. The government, according to it, has recovered 27.83 billion pesos, that's US 1.3 million dollars from corporate tax evaders this year so far. Carlos Slim's America Mobile, the telephone company, the cellular telephone company, Walmart de Mexico, IBM, FEMSA, which is the world's largest Coca-Cola bottler, and that's spelled F-E-M-S-A, and the operator of the thousands of OXO 24-hour convenience stores. America Mobile paid, uh, paid up 829 billion pesos for the years 2016 to 2020, 2019, I'm sorry. Walmart paid up 8.0 billion pesos it owed after selling off the VIP restaurant chain. FEMSA paid 8.79 billion pesos. IBM paid 669 million pesos. Another $2 billion was collected from smaller companies not listed on the Mexico Stock Exchange. As part of the deal, these companies were forced to publicize in paid advertisements in newspapers and what have you that uh, they had evaded taxes and were all caught up and had paid all their tax bills. More good news. 
In previous issues, I have spoken about the state of Quintana Roo. Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-A, R-O-O, which shares the Yucatan Peninsula with the state of Yucatan. Well, Quintana Roo welcomes first tourists in two months in Cancun, Isla de las Mujeres, and Puerto Morales. I forgot to mention that. I didn't really forget. I did it on purpose. Occupancy is low. It's around 15% at uh, Cancun and a little less at uh, Isla de las Mujeres and less at Puerto Morales. But they expect to reach 30% occupancy in August and then climb rapidly into the season, which essentially starts in late October, early November, and goes through April, at least through Easter vacation or spring vacation, as some people call it. And so... um, they're back on, the, they're open again. Cancun, 800 restaurants have reopened. However, they're limited to 30% capacity. That's mandated. Nightclubs, casinos, and beaches remain closed for the time being. Okay, now some bad news. The Bank of Mexico, Banco de Mexico, predicts a huge recession for the rest of 2020, especially if there's a double hit of COVID-19. I mean, the COVID-19 hit hasn't even peaked yet in Mexico. It should peak maybe in the next month or so, and then should stabilize and then start dropping. If, if by September or October, there's another hit coming, then there's some real serious problems. The central bank, however, says that stress testing shows banks are staying above required capitalization despite the national lockdown since March. Thus, the banking system appears to be able to withstand the continuing contraction. And that is good news because if the banks start having troubles, there's some real troubles in, uh, in our future. Estimates now are that the 2020 contraction will be between 7 and 8%, depending on whether there is a huge double dip or uh, double hit surge in the fall. When the lockdown is lessened even more, if, if they start, if the uh, double hit comes, then the worst case scenario is that it could be, the contraction could go to 9%. The bank has lowered its benchmark interest rate by one and a half points. For you finance types, that's 150 uh, points. To 5.5% and announced a 750 billion pesos support package for the financial system in April to help the economy. They jumped on it right away. So 150 basis points is what they lowered the interest rate by. That's good, but 5.5% now in the United States, that's like zero. A 176-year-old dream is being built around. What? The Isthmus of Tehuantepec is being turned into a rail Panama Canal. But 176 years ago, Americans did a survey of the of the Isthmus of Tehuantepec, which is about 130 miles wide in southern Mexico, and it's the shortest route across landmass between 
the Pacific Ocean and uh, the eastern United States. And they were talking about building a canal then, 176 years ago. Well, they've never gotten around to it. And then the Panama Canal came online in 1915. But the Mexican government under Lopez Obrador has budgeted $927 million, just shy of a billion dollars, on building up the Isthmus of Tehuantepec into a modern merchandise or, or cargo transfer point and by rail from the Pacific port of Salina Cruz in the state of Oaxaca to a port, the port of, now, I'm going to trip on this, but it's in the Veracruz state. It's called Coatzalcoalcos. My Nahuatl pronunciation is a little bit lacking. However, I tried. New rails are being built along with modern telecommunications infrastructure. That means uh, fiber optic, highway upgrades, expansions of both ports, and 10 different industrial parks are being either upgraded or constructed right now. This will be the shortest route between Asia and the American East Coast. Now, I know how this works because I've seen it at the new port in Baku, Azerbaijan, on the, on the Caspian Sea. They load up ships on the eastern end of Kazakhstan and those places, sometimes even in Iran, and uh, they take and they have rails that go right onto the deck of, of, the, of the ship. It's a ship, not a boat. A boat you can pick up and put in another one. A ship is too big to pick up and put in another one. So they just run the railroad cars, the cargo uh, container things and uh, boxes, and they just run them right up on the railroad cars, just run them right up on top of the ship, and then they get to where they're going, and they just hook up a locomotive and boop, pull it off. So uh, that's what they're going to be doing down here. This is, like I say, the shortest drop between Asia and the American East Coast. AMLO... Andres Manuel López Obrador, the president, says it will also create a curtain coast-to-coast to hinder Central Americans from going to the USA. I guess that's an appeal to Donald J. Trump because I don't think he'll do anything. The same president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, promised during his campaign that he would make Mexico self-sufficient in gasoline by 2023. Mexico imports millions of gallons of gasoline from the American uh, oil companies in Texas and California. All this despite Mexico being a major oil producer on its own. His first step was to announce the construction of a new modern refinery to be built in his home state of Tabasco. What a coincidence. AMLO is spending 25 billion pesos this year on old refineries to raise their capacity and to modernize them. That's $1.2 billion that he's going to spend on old refineries, the ones that are so polluting. Yeah. Anyway, the new refinery is expected to cost an additional $8 billion. 
AMRO says, quote, the plan is to process an average of 1.2 million barrels a day in the six renovated refineries and 340,000 additional barrels a day from the new refinery in Tabasco. AMRO says it's better to refine in Mexico than to buy it from the U.S. But there's a problem, Mr. President. Your genius government has decided that its crown jewel infrastructure project, the Maya train, the 1,500-kilometer train you just kicked off construction on, will be powered by diesel, not electricity. Fine, except that Mexico does not produce enough diesel fuel to satisfy domestic demand for diesel. The National Tourism Promotion Fund, called Fonatur, that's spelled, you should remember this because they're managing this whole project, the Maya train project, Fonatur, F-O-N-A-T-O-U-R. It's managing the project. And it says that its studies show that diesel operation is 6.8% cheaper than electricity. That's fine. The Mexican government produces electricity at about $145 a megawatt hour, and it can buy from private electrical generators uh, megawatt hours for $27 or $37, depending on when the contract was signed, a megawatt hour. But this genius government of AMLO has decided that they don't want any more electrical energy produced by private firms through solar or wind projects. So the 28 projects that are ready to go and ready to fire up and start putting electricity into the grid, the national grid, can't because they can't get certified because they can't, the government isn't certifying them anymore. So a country that can't produce electricity at anywhere near the rate that private companies can is now deciding that diesel is cheaper for the new national train from the, through five states in southeast Mexico, and they're going to be locomotives using diesel, and there's not enough diesel produced in Mexico to fill local need, domestic need. My goodness. Mr. President, Somebody should be fired for coming up with this situation, but you do know best. Well, one part of the uh, Lopez Obrador government that's working fine is the financial intelligence unit that Lopez Obrador started. FIU strikes again. Last time I reported that the FIU had frozen bank accounts of over 1,700 individual people and dozens and dozens of businesses for a total of $1.2 billion. They froze those accounts, and actually they confiscated the money because those individuals and businesses and two trust funds, by the way, were connected to cartel people. Drug money. Anyway, now in Mexicali, we have another FIU project. Financial Intelligence Unit. Mexicali, for those of you that don't know, is 120 miles east of the city of San Diego and is the state capital of Baja California. It has about a million people. The FIU is investigating corruption among Mexican 
customs officials, La Aduana, that's spelled A-D-U-A-N-A, that control everything crossing the border into Mexico. One man in particular, the press has named him as Roberto Ruiz Armas. Elsewhere, at the entry ports of Progreso, Tuxpan, and Lázaro Cárdenas, customs officials have had their bank accounts frozen and have been fired. Last year, Foreign Minister Marcelo Ebar said 70% of crimes committed in Mexico in which guns are involved are carried out with weapons smuggled into Mexico illegally from the United States of America. But that's not the biggest loss to Mexico. The biggest loss is in tax revenues uncollected because corrupt officials like the one I mentioned undervalue used American cars imported from the United States. The Mexican car industry spokesman says that 350,000 U.S. cars entered Mexico in 2019 without proper permits. So if you're going to import a car into Mexico or cars, you have a, a government forms to fill out. And among other things, you have to put down the value of that specific car. The tax pay, the import tax is based on what the car is worth. Okay, it's a percentage. When cash changes hands between importers and Mexican customs officials, those Mexican officials sign off on whatever paperwork is presented to them. Now, let's say that a car is valued at X, let's say $10,000, okay? But the form hits in front of you for that particular car, and the Mexican official looks at it, and where it should say $10,000, it says $2,000. And once he signs off on it, then the tax paid will be a percentage of the $2,000, not the $10,000. Do the math. If 350,000 cars were illegally entered into Mexico without proper permits, how much is that? I don't know. It's a whole lot of money. Speaking of a whole lot of money, we had a man who was appointed interim governor in uh, the state of, uh, which state was that? Coahuila. He was the interim governor of the state of Coahuila. The state of Coahuila abuts Texas on the north and uh, the Gulf on the, um, on the, uh, the east. Uh, this man, Jorge Torres Lopez, was appointed interim governor, apparently by the Mexican president, uh, whose name at that time was Enrique Peña Nieto, and uh, in February, pardon me, in November, he left office. He was arrested in Mexico. Uh, he was arrested and extradited to the United States, where he was charged with money laundering, criminal association to commit bank fraud, and criminal association to commit electronic remittance fraud. These federal laws, I tell you. A total of eight million eight. $100,000 was involved, $8.8 .8 million. The U.S. attorney made a deal with him, and now he's getting sentenced and probably for 20 or more years. And he did all this 
He stole all this money in eight months. In eight months, he stole over a million dollars a month for 11 months. I mean, almost a million dollars. I mean, it's just impossible to conceive of how could a guy steal money that fast when he wasn't even the elected governor. He wasn't there for a six-year term. He was there for 11 months to replace a, a governor who also was suspected of stealing money, but uh, resigned to become president of his political party, the P, as in Paul, R-I party. $8.8 million. Now that's the deal. So we don't know how much more was involved. So when I said a million dollars a month, I'm probably correct. Uh, we, we have no idea because the U.S. attorney didn't say how much. That's corruption in Mexico for you. Now, Let's measure corruption in Mexico compared to last year. Lopez Obrador, in winning the presidency, promised that he would wipe out corruption. Corruption is worse after 18 months of Lopez Obrador's presidency. How do we know? Because there's a thing called a Capacity to Combat Corruption Index. The index was developed by the Americas Society slash Council of the Americas and the Global Risk and Strategic Consulting Firm, Control Risks. It looks at 14 key variables, judicial independence, strength of investigative journalism, and resources to combat white-collar crime among the 14. Mexico's overall 2020 score is 4.55 out of 10. That's a decline of 0.1% compared to last year. So he's been president for 18 months, but corruption, according to objective surveys, is, is actually growing. Now here is what I would like the president to respond to. President Lopez Obrador, how did a company, ICA, win a bid or a contract to build phase one of your Maya train. The Maya train is being built in three segments or three phases. Phase one contract was let a couple months ago. Phase two and phase three were let in May. What I don't understand, Mr. President, and you need to explain this to me. How was phase one contracted for without competitive bids. Phases two and three were given out after competitive bids bidding. Mr. President, phase one was not. Question, do you have any relatives that are principals in ICA by marriage or by blood? Mr. President, why were there, was there no competitive bidding for phase one, but there was for phase two, phases two and three? Mr. President, I think everyone would love to see a list of stockholders, not just principals, but stockholders entirely of ICA that won its bid over $2 billion, dollars, billion, dollars, $2 billion, without competitive bidding. I think a lot of people would love to know that. I certainly would. Now the really bad stuff, I'm sorry to report this, but 
there has been rioting in Mexico, starting with the riot or the death of George Floyd, the American who was apparently killed by a Minnesota police officers. A thousand protesters rioted in front of the state of Jalisco Capitol building, protesting the death of one man, Giovanni Lopez Ramirez, 30 years old, a construction worker who appeared to be arrested in May for not wearing a face mask as required by the coronavirus lockdown. Lopez Ramirez died in the hospital. Family, his family accuses police of beating and torturing him. The protest was promoted on social media, which is very popular in Mexico. The result is a thousand people rioted. Protesters chanted, Giovanni didn't die, Giovanni was killed. Two police cars were firebombed. Some people, some of the protesters, broke into the state capitol and destroyed furniture and computers. Now, I've got to say, that's really stupid. Tear gas was used on the street. 27 protesters were arrested. The governor called the death of the man an atrocity. He announced three arrests, a police commissioner, a middle-ranking commander, and an officer were arrested. Governor Enrique Alfaro, a panista, that is to say his political party is the P as in Paul, A-N, as in Nancy, Partido Acción Nacional. He claims that the president, President AMLO, sent people from his, quote, basements of power in Mexico City to Jalisco, to, to Guadalajara, asserting that Lopez Obrador, in the typical leftist-slash-anarchist tradition, sent people to cause trouble for the state, which is run by the center-right PAN party, Partido Acción Nacional. Lopez Obrador hates that party. He always has. He's been a member of the PRI, the PRD, the Partido Revolucionario Democrático. He ran for president and every party he's ever been in and lost until this time. And he hates the PAN because he's always been beaten by the PAN or the PRI, but mostly by the PAN. In 2006 is a perfect example. Felipe Calderón, the PANista candidate for president to replace Vicente Fox after his term expired, Calderón beat Obrador by about 1%. There was a recount, 16,000 uh, uh, precincts, what we call precincts in the United States, and he consistently won. There was no change at all in the voting patterns. Obrador claimed that he won, and he refused to accept Calderón's presidency and went around the country appointing people to offices in the government that he says he ran that didn't exist. He's a sore loser. And I'm, I know he won this time and he won with about 60% of the vote. But I got to say to you, Lopez Obrador is a loser. Another riot. Only this time, it was at the American Embassy. On one night, on a Thursday, 300 people peacefully protested police brutality and racism in the U.S. in front of the U.S. Embassy. The next night, 
500 Mexican police in riot gear waded into hundreds of protesters who added, who added the death of a Mexican in Guadalajara that I told you about to their protest. Now we're talking about, we're not waving banners here or signs. We're talking about Molotov cocktails and uh, fire and uh, clubs and uh, fighting with the police. The man who they were protesting his death of, as, um, as I told you, Giovanni Lopez, he died in police custody after being arrested, it is alleged, for not wearing a cobremoca, a face mask. The group left the U.S. Embassy and marched to the Casa Jalisco. That's an office building in Mexico City that is the official outpost of the state of Jalisco in Mexico City. There they threw Molotov cocktails at, at the Casa de Jalisco and at police cars and anything else that, that uh, wasn't nailed down and uh, destroyed or, in, or damaged 50 different businesses between the embassy and the Casa Jalisco and 60 apartment buildings by endangered and damaged by true anarchists, the ones President Trump here calls Antifa. The mayor of Mexico City, Claudia Scheinbaum, that's right, Scheinbaum, spelled S-H-E-I-N-B-A-U-M, criticized some police and asked the city's attorney general and Human Rights Commission to investigate complaints against the police and uh, for their brutality and when they, if they found crimes have been committed to punish the cops. So you see, these protests have been all over the world, New Zealand, Armenia, Italy, wherever there are people. Now, I'm going to wind up this presentation with a statement. Andre Manuel, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, I think might have shared the same mother as Donald Trump had, with Donald Trump. Because he has jumped into Trump's fairy tale land thinking about conspiracy theories. You remember, Trump was the leading proponent of Barack Obama was born in Kenya, Africa, as if that mattered. Because even if he had been born in Kenya, he was still qualified to be president. He was a natural born American citizen. Give me a break. President Lopez Obrador called a press conference about 48 hours ago to expose a political plot against him by a, quote, broad opposition block, unquote. Opposition groups, political and business groups, have stepped up, according to Obrador, Lopez Obrador, with strong suggestions that Lopez Obrador is just trying to, quote, distract, unquote, from his failure as president. Distraction by Trump is a way of life. We all know that here in the United States. Now AMLO has joined that way of life. He has produced a quote, confidential document, unquote, that somehow landed in the government's hands entitled, Let's Rescue Mexico, quote, unquote. Among its members, AMLO says, 
are the governors of 14 states, not a one of them of his political party, by the way, two former presidents, Vicente Fox and Felipe Calderon, counselors of the National Electoral Institute, which does the vote counting, federal judges, and newspapers. So, as it turns out, if a newspaper has ever editorialized against the Lopez Obrador position or his campaign for president, they're automatically a part of this conspiracy to do something with him. Then he doesn't say not to replace him because they can't do that until his term runs out, really. And he's in there for a six-year term. He cannot run for re-election. The document has not been verified. Who said that? Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador said that, not me. In other words, it's a forgery drawn up probably by his own people just to get space in the newspapers and in the news. This is like Trump's fantasy conspiracy theories that pop up all the time. The latest, of course, being a 75-year-old man with a broken skull that was shoved down by police in Buffalo, New York, who Trump claims is an Antifa protester and conspirator to bring America down. Well, like in the United States, like people like me saying that Trump is a nutcake when he talks this way, the governor of Michoacan, Michoacan is a state northwest of Mexico, very important state, and among other things, it's the leading producer of avocados in Mexico, and that's from where we get our Mexican avocados mostly. Anyway, the governor from Michoacan alleges an alleged member of the group says, and I quote, enough distraction, concentrate on pandemic. People are dying. There you go, Mr. President. There you go. Oh, but let's talk about a document that somehow didn't wind up in the hands of the Mexican president. The office of the president, Lopez Obrador's office, it's like a, the White House, refused to accept a petition signed by 6,000 academics, historians, and other well-known people in the fields of, uh, field of archeology span and anthropology. That petition asks that AMLO not cut the budget of the National Institute of Anthropology and History by 75%. Keep in mind, AMLO is spending almost $20 billion on his Maya train in Southeast Mexico and a new oil refinery in Southeast Mexico in his home state. The government of AMLO refuses to accept the petition because it doesn't have an official seal attached to it. If you've never been to Mexico City and are planning to go there someday, go to the National Anthropological Museum. I guarantee you will fall in love with it, just as I did the first time I went into it in uh, 1968. I was enthralled, enthralled. They have the original Aztec calendar, you know, the one you've seen pictures of and that have been on coins and stuff and postage stamps and everything. There it is, sitting there like five feet away from you. And there's Mayan uh, uh, totems uh, carved from rock 
And and that's funny because there isn't any granite that I know of in Yucatan where they were at and they carved all this stuff out of granite. How do they even get it there? Who knows? But those are the kind of things that make Mexico special. And AMLO is trying to cut the budget. Cut its budget by two, by, I'm sorry, by three-fourths. Come on, Mr. President, wake up. Quit throwing money away on your projects that may or may not work and support the National Anthropological and History Institute, please. That's it for today. This is issue 107, issue 107 of the Contreras Report, Business Mexico. And I am Raul Lowry Contreras. Thank you for being there, and we'll talk to you next time.